Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Today's show, we're going to have some fun, uh, Greg. Hopefully you're buckled in. Do you know what day today is? I do, but I don't know if I'm supposed to announce it or if I'm supposed to let you. So I'm going to let you. How's that? Hey, that's fair enough. It's the first time you've ever done that, Greg. (laughs) It's National Moonshine Day. And what better way to celebrate than to dive into the business of moonshine with a business leader in the space, doing big things, growing the business. But he also happens to be a successful country music recording artist. So, and to boot, a good friend. And a repeat guest. We'll have a repeat guest here at Supply yeah. Chain Now. So, Greg, you ready to dive in? Yeah. Well, dive. Stumble. <laughs> How about stumble in since it's moonshine day? <laughs> that's right. One sip at a time. One sip at a time. Yeah, that's right. So, I want to welcome in our, our guest today. So, today's guest did not begin his career in the moonshine business. Instead, he launched his career as a musician, playing with some of the most legendary names in music. Get this. He's played with Waylon Jennings. He's toured with Brad Paisley, Ray Charles, ACDC. Uh, when he's not performing or creating new music, you can probably find him at Granddaddy Mims Distillery in Blairsville, Georgia, where he's leading a business that he founded. But but more importantly, he's been built on a strong family legacy. So let's learn a lot more. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Tommy Townsend. Tommy, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> doing great. Man, good we've enjoyed... You. It's great to have you here. It's great to have you back here. We we yeah. enjoyed the pre-show conversation. We enjoyed our last visit to the distillery, the previous location, probably almost two years ago. It feels yeah. it feels like forever ago. Yeah, I, know. I remember how long it'd been. It'd been at least a couple of years. Yeah. Well, it's great to see not only your music continue to grow. That was around last time we were together was around the time you dropped "Turn Back the Clock," which was successful. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the business, the Granddaddy Mims, has grown a lot since then. So we're gonna put our finger back on the pulse and get to know you a little better once again, Tommy. Yeah, well, good deal. I'm glad to be here this morning. So. All right. So, Greg, we're gonna get to know Tommy and and kind of get the story out before we start talking moonshine, right? So let's guess if we gotta. <laughs> we probably ought to know. Yeah, we probably ought to know what led him to this. Right. Right. I have a feeling I know. <laughs> It's the same thing that would probably lead all of us to doing it, but <laughs> so we're going to set the table a bit, Tommy. So tell us for starters, where did you grow up? And give us an anecdote or two about your upbringing. Well, it all started on a cold, snowy day in July. <laughs> 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 no, I was I was born uh, in North Georgia mountains in a, in a little town called Hiawassee, Georgia. Oh yeah, uh, but uh, uh, we lived in Blairsville and uh, still do. Uh, I've been in Nashville for several years, but yeah, we're back here in, in Blairsville, Georgia now, and and uh, run, you know, trying to trying to get this moonshine thing happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and by all account, it seems like it's really it's come along really well. It has in that North Georgia upbringing, and you said you spent some years in Nashville as well, mm-hmm. which doesn't surprise anybody here. Yeah. What was when you when you look back on those formative years, uh, you know we like talking food, we like talking what we did as kids. What oh, was yeah. one thing that really was iconic about your upbringing? Oh man, well just you know all the family was just always together. Uh, 
and man, I love doing uh, motocross and riding motorcycles and go-karts and doing all that fun stuff around here in the mountains and, and uh, you know, just uh, eat, eating green beans and cornbread and fried potatoes. <laughs> I love it. That's where I come from. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. So now that you've made everybody hungry, let's talk about music, which clearly yeah. is uh, you're a putter here on this earth to do. You're very yeah. passionate about it. But yeah. where did that start? Where, where did that love for music and performing start? Well, it's, it's funny. All the, the Townsends, some, you know, played a little bit here and there. And so I guess that comes from that side of the family. But uh, my dad, you know, he, he played uh, he played music as far back as I can remember and played in a local square dance band here with my cousins and and all that. So I got I got started doing that when I was like five years old. I was playing the drums with that band. It just kind of grew from there. And and. I never, it's the more I did it, the more I loved it. And, and so I just got a little bigger and got a little bigger. And, <laughs> and so I moved to Nashville in 95 and uh, Waylon Jennings and his bass player, Jerry Bridges was producing me and managing me and, and all that type stuff, you know? So that's where that all came from. So mm. that's just like I say, that music was my first love. But you I, started out as a drummer cause you're, you played guitar for Waylon. Right? No, I didn't play guitar for Waylon. I uh, actually, like I say, he and Jerry Bridges, his bass player, produced my record. Oh, got it. I would, got I would it. go out with them every every once in a while and play. Okay. I was, uh, I guess, too young to be in the band or whatever. But, I've seen the band, and you ain't lying, Tommy. Yeah. You are <laughs> too young. But yeah, but it, you know, it, the cool thing about that is, is like uh, you know, performing with them. You know, after Waylon passed away and being the front man. Is like being being out on the road with your favorite uncles or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. There was never, never a dull moment, you know, with those guys. So, uh, you know, all the stories they had. And of course, I knew some of the stories I'd been told before, but uh, well, we've all yeah. heard Hank sing about him. Hank, oh Jr. yeah, yeah, him, right? exactly. <laughs> all my rowdy friends have settled down, but apparently, they didn't get that settled. No, no, they no, there's still a little bit of spunk in them. <laughs> So you play drums and guitar. Do you play other instruments as well? Yeah, I started out on drums, and which I would still, I don't get a chance to play drums that much anymore. But I started out playing drums, and then uh, I picked up the bass guitar, because uh, my dad played bass guitar too, so I picked up playing that. And then I, when I started singing, I was like playing drums and singing. I was, I was a Don Henley of Blair's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Singing no. from the back, right? Exactly. But yeah. uh, no, I, I learned to play guitar, I guess, when I was about 13. And uh, I learned on my dad's 1947 J45 Gibson guitar, which I still wow. have. Mm. Yeah. So I guess I had to prove to my parents that I was into it enough. So they they bought me a Fender Telecaster. So uh, oh, Greatest uh, country music guitar of all time. Oh, Mark. yeah. And, uh, and I've, I've still got it, you know, and, and, and added to the collection. So it's kind of cool because back in the 80s, you know, when I was learning to play guitar, you could get those Fender Telecasters or whatever that was like maybe 10 years old for for 250 or $300, you know. So over, the, over a period of a few years, my mom and dad bought me like four or five of them. And really now that, collect, nice. that, that collection there is, is worth thousands of dollars, you know? Yeah. So, so let's talk about if, if Greg, let me get a question in dad gummit, Greg, uh, <laughs> hey, you want to know about his music history, man. <laughs> well, well, we're both, I, I tell you, 
uh, Greg and I, we were really looking forward to this interview because yeah. Tom and there's so many different questions we've got and we love your journey, but yeah. let's talk about the, who influenced your music, your style of music, um, e even how you write, you know, and, and how you create what, yeah. who, who are some of your bigger influences? Well, there, there? There's, there's quite a, quite a few different influences, different things. Um, of course there was Waylon Jennings, you know, he, he was like, you know, kind of, I guess in the seventies or whatever, when, he was really popular. He wasn't really traditional country. He wasn't rock and roll. He was somewhere in the middle of that. So, you know, that style of uh, the energy and everything that, that influenced me a lot. Uh, Hank Williams Jr. His, his style did um, Conway Twitty. Oh yeah. The crooner. His, his, yeah. His, that crooning, that singing style that you know, heard of uh, Vern Gosden, him, his singing style, Keith Whitley. Wow. You know, um, yeah. he was a big influence of mine. So I always said you you wrap all those guys up together and throw them in a pot and cook them and you got Tommy Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> that and green beans and fried yeah, potatoes. Right. And we got yeah, Sunday dinner. Bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. All right. I guess I've got to pass the baton to Greg as we dive more into probably a lot, a lot more moonshine and a little more music, yeah. I imagine, Greg. I can't let the music thing go. I, I mean, the toughest thing to think about is, so, so you said, I, I just got to go back to this real quick. You said you started playing guitar at 13. When did you start playing drums? How old were I you was then? like five. I remember wow. I, I had a. Were you playing in this square yeah, dance band? Yeah, five years old. Five. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because I had a, I had, a, I had just like a little snare drum and a cymbal or something. And. And I, yeah. you know, I wasn't even tall enough to, to reach anything else. So I remember them setting me on a stool and I could keep rhythm at that, you know, at that age or whatever. And uh, that's, that's one thing that's always, you know, it places my song going songwriting too is the rhythms and stuff like that. I, just, I love that, you know, and to me, everything, I associate everything I do with a rhythm, you know, the moonshine business, the this business in general, I, I associate with rhythm. Yeah. yeah, that that's, it's pretty clear in listening to your music. I, it, it's very rhythmic and you know it's got a great yeah. kind of yeah you know path through the yeah. song you know if you look at anything you do anything anybody does everything's a groove you know yeah. you just got to find it you know yeah so. yeah that's cool well all right so you i want to know how you found this groove and how you kind of grooved it into moonshine <laughs> So, well, this kind of you know, the moon, the moonshine business and the distillery kind of fell in my lap back in 2012. Actually, a friend of mine in uh, Anaheim, California, we were together. The home, home of moonshine. moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were out in uh, West Texas together, where he he grew up, and so he just was talking about moonshine. And I said, "Yeah," I said, "My grandfather was a." pretty famous moonshiner back in North Georgia a long time ago. And, uh, and Jack kind of looked at me funny. He's like, well, can you get your hands on the recipe? And I'm like, I don't know. I said, mm -hmm. I said, I don't really, I, I said, I have very, very faint memories of my grandfather. And I said, but I don't know. I said, why? And he goes, well, you know, there's, you know, stupid amounts of money in the liquor business, which I mean, I knew, but I never thought about it. So, you know, right. the, the conversation went on and stuff, you know, we talked about it some more. And so, He'd ask me if we get, you know, find the recipe. And I'm like, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to ask my mom because it's my mom's dad. And uh, so anyway, back at the airport next day in Lubbock, Texas. And and so he was getting ready to fly back to California and I was flying back to Nashville. I said, was you really serious about that? He said, sure. He said, 
that if you could, if you could wow. find the recipe and you know if we could find a distillery to make it and a distributor for Georgia, he said I'll kind of help you get it started. And Jack's a money guru and a financial planner and and manages some pretty high profile clients out there in the LA area or whatever. So anyway, I, I got back to Nashville. So I was stopped in a convenience store one day to get a bottle of water. I'd been downtown and doing a recording session or something. And so I happened to look down at the Tennessee newspaper and it said uh, prohibition whiskey being made legally again in Tennessee. So I thought, hmm, uh, I never read the paper. So I thought I better take this home and read it. And um, it was a, a distillery in downtown Nashville that was making some boutique, you know, rums and bourbons and stuff. So I called them and we got in a, a meeting with them. And I was telling them about what I had and stuff. Well, it, well, let me step back a little bit. I had talk, called my mom when I got back into Nashville about the recipe. And she goes, well, Lord, my mom was the youngest child. And she goes, well, you know, said your granddaddy or your great uncle never would let me around the stills. Said, uh, said, you know, when I'd go down to the barn, there'd be fermenting uh, corn or, or peaches or apples or something. She'd say, you know, what's that about? And so, oh, that's just, that's just, uh, stuff, you know, to feed the hogs and the cows with. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, so she said, I really, you know, don't know a lot about that. She said, uh, all I just know is there used to be people coming in the house all hours and not buying liquor and all that. And, and, uh, she said, but call your uncle George that he helped him make some before he went into service. So anyway, oh. I, I called my uncle George and, and, um, he said, yeah, I know exactly what we did. He said, I don't, can't find where it was written down but he said i can email you that so he did and uh still didn't know what to do with it and then that's when we met with the distillery and then we got a contracted distillery down in middle georgia to help us get it out you know put it out and uh so we didn't have a distributor or anything so the lo the local paper here the north georgia news uh did a little story on in like 2012 about me bringing back the recipe and uh, so we have a distant cousin that worked at Human Resources at United Distributors in Smyrna, Georgia. Oh, yeah, and, of course. And they had a cabin in Young Harris, which is the next town over, and got the newspaper. And so she uh, she read it, and she took it back to the CEO of United and says, we are carrying this, right? <laughs> Not a drop of been made <laughs> at that point. And, yeah, they United uh, Distributors picked us up. And then, um, and then 2000... 16 we opened the distillery here in, in blairsville and started making beer. yeah wow so that's cool to to have found that recipe yeah. is really mm -hmm. really impressive and i didn't expect that you would find mm -hmm. it written down i'm actually surprised you found yeah. it at all but that's well, pretty it's just, impressive. i mean it wouldn't like say you know it, it may have been written down somewhere but my uncle george is new and you know i mean all moonshine that was you know made in the mountains you know was very similar you know um because they all did it very quick and didn't age it so they could make money on it you know right everything had to be quick and mobile exactly yeah so, and you know, it's maybe. so funny sometimes people will come in here and they'll they'll look at it and they'll go oh well this is this is not real moonshine you know not made right. in the woods or whatever and I said, well right. you know uh i said yeah i said the only difference is is we're doing it in a controlled environment and paying taxes I said, that's yeah. the only, only that is you know, the Jack difference. Daniels is, I mean, if you want to call it, you know, Jack Daniels is moonshine, Jim Beam is moonshine because it all comes out of the still clear. That's right. So, so we have a global audience, Tommy. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are these kind of liquors all around the world, which you probably know from traveling yeah. and touring, mm -hmm. but 
so that everybody around the world knows, just give them kind of an outline of what moonshine yeah, is. Yeah, well, you know, moonshine would just, they, you know, did it out in the woods or in their barn or something, and they they did it at, you know, the term moonshine comes from doing it at night, so they won't get caught, right. you know, and so that's, you know, that's basically what moonshine is. It's just unaged liquor, you know. Yeah, it's, it's distilled from often... Yeah from corn yeah, yeah, it's in, 100% in corn, you know i mean to do it yeah. you know quickly or whatever uh i mean you could distill it from anything you know you can make what they yeah. call the old time apple brandy or peach brandy or anything like that um yeah in it in italy they call it yeah, drop. yeah. So it's, it's the grape yeah. skins that they that have mm -hmm. fermented and they do that and it's funny how many countries yeah. you probably have had this oh, yeah. experience how many countries around the world have mm -hmm. some variation of what we would call moonshine yeah. right but it's it's basically homemade yeah. liquor and often made from the off castings of of farming yeah yeah right? you have a little bit of corn left over a little bit of apples left over you throw them in a barrel and ferment them and away you go you know distill it so the way you go yeah. is right <laughs> well one little fun fact and and tommy maybe you can uh, confirm this for me i read somewhere that nascar's beginnings were actually moonshiners that were racing to take their uh, their products here and there yeah. and and the racing gave gave rise to the sport itself is that exactly right? yeah yeah it did and you had to have a car fast enough to outrun the revenue exactly right you know and, and <laughs> another fact that a lot of people don't know is actually moonshine it actually originated in pennsylvania yeah, really? it was a, a more of a northern thing than a southern. You know, it just kind of migrated south, you know, and people associate mm -hmm. it more with the south, you know, uh, I guess because of NASCAR and, and stuff like that. But it it was actually the south just does it so it much does, more colorfully. Yeah. The first moonshine, you know, was actually you know kind of made up in up in the Pennsylvania area. And, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, you would. So you told us a little bit about how this evolved. So what's your involvement? I mean, you're you're still in the music business. So what do you do? And is the name your grandfather? Yeah, my name? grandfather's that... name was Jack McClure. Mimi okay. is what all the grandkids called him. I think later it got like shortened to Mim. But I mean, this is his 89 year old recipes that we're doing from scratch. And we're doing it, you know, just just like he did it then, except like say on a bigger scale and a controlled environment and paying taxes on it. He did the just straight corn liquor. And then he did, uh, you know, he did apple brandy and peach brandy or what they, that's what they called it then. It's called it now. But um, one thing that we don't, we don't do that he did was, you know, he actually that fermented the peaches and fermented the, the apples and stuff like that, where we use, now we use natural juices to do, yeah, uh, to flavor it because if, you know, we have to doing getting fruit is so expensive and so time consuming to, to ferment and everything. We just use natural juices um, instead of the, you know, actual fruit. So it's all, it's all corn based, you know, the way we do it now, but, yeah. uh, but the, but if you do it right, you know, um, because the old time peach brandy and apple brandy, it just had a hint of the flavor. It wasn't overpowering fruit. Right. So we, we, mimic that yeah. and it's much better when it has more flavor yeah in it, yeah right yeah there's a there's a i would say there was a formerly derogatory name for flavored shine yeah. that i am not ashamed yeah. to drink lady shine is what they call yeah. the flavored yeah. stuff but i love apple pie not that i'm a moonshine yeah. Yeah. expert 
I love anything with those fruit flavors in it is really, it's super refreshing. Yeah, we do, we do one. It's, it's similar to apple pie. We call it apple brown Betty. And it's, it's actually, my grandmother used to make that um, in a pie form. She, she never <laughs> drank liquor, but uh, I can remember her making that at Christmas is like, you know, fried apples and uh, fried crust with, you know, stick of butter and cinnamon and, Oh, and all man. that, I don't remember, you know, put, put that with ice cream, man, it was good. But we, we actually patterned the name after her her pie recipe, and uh, we made it as close to it as we could. But but some of our flavors, like the peach and the apple and stuff, are 96 proof. So, you know, you're up there uh, pretty good to where, you know, I mean, people people think that. Almost half alcohol, yeah, right? People, proof is basically twice yeah, the alcohol. And the good time. drinking liquor that that old moonshiners and my grandfather, you know, a ton of old moonshiners around in, in these parts in the mountains made, you know, the good drinking liquor was around a hundred proof. You know, people people mm-hmm. think it was off the chain, you know, two hundred proof, which which be pure alcohol, but but it really wasn't. Right. The good drinking liquor was around ninety to maybe hundred and ten proof. You know, so uh, we do have the hundred and forty proof. Uh, but uh which will you know get you where you're going pretty you know quick yep right there scott's got it so yeah so do you call that white lightning because technically we call it well yeah i don't know who coined yeah. this phrase white yeah. lightning but uh, like i say my my grandfather's recipes it was around 95 to 105 proof or whatever we we did make the original recipe 100 proof just because you got to keep it at one constant for the federal government all the time we can't right. vary so but uh, a lot of the liquor stores, we first came out with the moonshine, they were saying, oh, man, you make a really high proof thing and it would sell. And so we just came up with, OK, 140, proof, whatever. So we call it mule kicking high octane is what we call it. But uh, but it's, it's the original recipe. We just didn't cut it as much, you know. And right. uh, so but we, we put that out and that gun, we couldn't even keep up with it for a while, you know, because it was selling so quick. And it's, it's still today, it's still our biggest seller. You know, and uh, so, uh, you know, we've, we've added a lot of stuff and everything that we do as far with the liquor, we do it with spring water from my parents' uh, uh, property. No that's way. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's what's one thing that gives it a, a great taste is, is the water. And my, my dad and mom and my grandparents, they used the spring and my, my granddaddy Townsend, he built the spring in sometime in the 40s. And it's just a, a big old tile in the ground at the base of a mountain and um they've got a pump in it It pumps pumps water to to their houses still and man it's so good to drink and when you take a shower at their houses you feel so clean you know but yeah we there's nothing like a million years coming through stone to filter exactly right right? and then you know then we bring it we bring it here to the distillery and then you know we filter it get all the you know if there's any impurities in it but i mean it's there's not many impurities because it's coming straight out yeah not in that. It, it's spring water yeah. so uh now you know one of us will go up there and just stick the water hose out of the outside water faucet and turn it on and and get a tote of water and um you know cook, cook the liquor and mix it and so that's one that's one thing that uh i think that makes ours a little bit different you know, I mean, it's like Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels is the water that they use. You know, yeah. so uh, ours is the same way. It's just called spring water, you know. And you could buy, I mean, we could buy spring water, I guess, if we wanted to. But but why when it's running out of the ground? And my dad's even, 
you know, we, we, we filled up two totes at a time, 500 gallons. And my dad went out there, wow. you know, because it's just, it's coming out of the ground, you know, just coming out of the ground. Yeah, right. You don't use it, you yeah. lose so it, right? It's, it's like you pump 500 gallons into two totes and the water level doesn't even go down. So that's how much water is coming out of that thing. You know, as cold wow. as it can be and, and pure. And, and, and it has a taste, you know, that, that water or yeah. well water doesn't have, you know. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So you, you have, Tommy, you have worked your whole life in industries that people are just fascinated by. Music yeah. now, spirits, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So give us a little bit of something that people don't know about the, about either the shine or the beverage industry or something like that, that would just really surprise folks. What, what surprised you when you got, well, they're the beverage thing. Uh, one thing that, you know, that you don't think about is like the higher, the proof, the higher the taxes, you know? Yeah. Okay. That, you know? Yeah. Of course uh-huh. that. And right. uh, there, you know, there's an art to, to making the liquor, you know, um, our distiller, Dillard Canuck, you know, he's made liquor for 45 years. So there's a, in five years legally. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Wait, did you say for 45 years and only five yeah, years? Yeah, with him. Yeah. And uh, so he's an OG. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's, there's a lot. You drag this cat out of the woods exactly. into a plane. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Because I knew he knew how to, how to, you know, make liquor. So, He's, Man. you know, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff to that, that, that you just, you know, you don't know until you, uh, start in the business and in the proofing, you know, game, you know, like, you know, you have yeah. like say with the taxes, the higher the proof, the higher the taxes Well, in the proofing, there's all kinds of, of stuff that factors into that. There's the, the weather, the barometric pressure, right. um, altitude. You know, it can all right. factor into the proofing thing too. You know, um, and just you know, the, the time it takes to to make a, a run of liquor, it takes you know, eight, ten, twelve hours to run it all through the steel. Yeah. It, mm. uh, let, let me ask you really quick yeah. about that. So I toured the old distillery. Yeah. Y'all moved into a brand new uh, distillery there in Blairsville, but your previous location, you hosted a tour for us, uh, you and and Fred uh, Midkiff. And I want to say that either the first couple of percentages that comes out of the distillery or out of the distilling process or the last couple, there's like a, I think y'all called it like a distiller's cut. Yeah. Is that the first cut or is it's that the last kind of toward the end? And we only, it took us about two, two years to collect that. Cause you only get, I mean, you only get maybe a little over a pint out of our, our stills is uh 250 260 gallons uh so wow. you only get about a pint of that and it's the smoothest liquor that you'll ever drink it's uh, it, uh hmm. it's it's like uh we, we did it and it it proved i mean very quickly at a i mean the the hydrometer just locked in at 100 proof like bam like that and then and you know wow. the difference in drinking some okay so maybe we'll say that cheaper water or whatever and and then you get like uh like uh what's the water in the square bottle Fiji, Fiji. Mm-hmm. oh yeah so, yeah yeah right. yeah. Uh, yeah. you know the the texture on your palate with that is very silky yeah uh, and it's the same way with this liquor so at hundred proof there's no burn at all 
and it's that got that real silky thing on your palate. And we we actually now I'm thirsty and yeah. hungry. <laughs> so we actually <laughs> well, collected yeah. about twenty five bottles, and then uh, Terry Langford in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, made us hand tool leather labels to go on the bottles. Wow. And uh, he Terry he he makes saddles and chaps. He actually did Waylon Jennings guitars, the leather wrap. Right. Matter of fact, the one you see on the Dukes of Hazard place that's one of the guitars and uh so he made us leather labels and hand tooled them and free handed them so each label is like was like a little different and they were numbered wow. and they were one through 25 and that's all we had and we sold those in like a day we'll have we'll have mm. some more of that in a in a couple uh yeah well, probably in about another year we'll have a we'll have another <laughs> well i can put my order in now <laughs> Tom. Because, uh, scott what's so funny is uh i think the day it wasn't the day you did the podcast, the the thing. It was the day that you brought the the that group of people up there. You remember? Yeah, that yeah. Tour. That was in that was yep. in September of 2018. And the reason I remember yep. that was because that's the day we filled up our first barrel. Really? Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. So we were really lucky. Yeah. Uh, that's the first day we filled up our age, our barrel and to age some moonshine. And we actually just put it out and sold that whole barrel in about two weeks. Goodness, the wow. other day. Um, and uh, I'm not surprised. What an incredible memory, yeah. man. That's... Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, there was 200. That was that was the first barrel that's ready. We'll have another barrel ready, uh, probably around Christmas time. But there's 213 bottles in that barrel. So we numbered the barrel 001 and uh, 001 through 213. And uh, we didn't even have enough to distribute. So we just sold it here at the distillery and we put it in the barrel at 118 proof and it came out at 109 and we didn't even touch it because it was so smooth. And it, we aged it in a bourbon barrel and it had that caramel oaky taste. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we sold that every one of those bottles in uh, uh, about two or three weeks. I didn't even get one. We did put zero zero one zero zero one up, <laughs> but uh, but I didn't even get to get a bottle of that myself. You know. Well, um, I think I still have a small little bottle of that distiller's cut somewhere yeah. uh, with with the rest of my collection yeah. here. As I as I showed for our uh, folks that are listening, I've got a bottle of the Mule Kicking One Forty that Greg referred to as the yeah. White Lightning, but but really good stuff. And I you know I got to tell you, I'm not a much like Greg. I'm not a moonshine mm -hmm. expert. But I love the art, the artisan approach mm -hmm. to making, you know, something. I love the family tradition. I love the spring water. Yeah. I love all the um, the legacy that goes into, you know, kind of, you know, pouring your art into uh, into your glass. So I love that angle, and a big tip of the hat to you and your team, and of course Fred Mickiff. Uh, Bless be the ties that bind. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Bless be the ties that bind. <laughs> Getting it wrong. Yeah. I just should know, know that uh, from my uh, upbringing. <laughs> So let's He's talk been about drinking the mule kicking. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, I started doing that earlier. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, it does, it, I tell you, it doesn't take yeah. much. Uh, but but I tell you, one, one thing I've really enjoyed is the mixing. You know, Fred Fred's done a great job of of kind of introducing all the different flavors yeah. and kind of how you use that in 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 a lot of your traditional drink, drink yeah. mixes. You just kind of swap out the uh, you know the, the alcohol uh -huh. use, and it really it, it's it's fun that they to get away from the, uh, your stale old traditions. You yeah. Know I mean? You know, a lot of people think, well, all you can do is with moonshine, just do shots, but there, you know, anything that you mix vodka or tequila or, you know, with rum, you know, you can, yep. you can substitute with moonshine. You know, we, we do shots. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, we do. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, the, the flavor is a lot like yeah, schnapps. Yeah, that's right. We do. Uh, I mean, we have uh, moonshine margaritas here at the distillery, and we've actually just got a new slushy machine. So we're doing moonshine slushies, and uh, that's that's been a trip. It's really good, you know. So. Uh, uh, so watch watch it when people are walking down the street in Blairsville with a with a slushie. Exactly. Yeah. Make sure <laughs> they don't step off the curb. <laughs> But, uh, All right. but so no, as much we're gonna have to come visit you uh soon again tommy and check out yeah. the new place we've heard a lot about yeah. that and, and i love to hear you know you didn't touch on much of it but but y'all have grown so many different distribution channel partners and and yeah. it's just really cool to 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 see from an entrepreneurial standpoint uh all the growth yeah. y'all y'all had since yeah, it's our, like, it's pretty cool you know i mean when we first started we we were you know 30 40 cases a month or something like that and uh, last yeah. month um we did, uh, we bottled 2,200 cases. Wow. wow. Man. How many states are you being distributed uh, we're in? Tom? in uh, we're in Georgia, Florida, um, some parts of Arizona. Um, and then we're going to have distribution back in Tennessee pretty soon. Um, and then we're just starting in Kentucky uh, next month. Um, and okay. uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, our distributor is uh, out of uh, close to Lexington, but I, I got that uh, through the music business. Uh, a friend of mine in New York, um, there's a, a guy, uh, a team of people that's uh, putting together um, a, a new amphitheater. I think just north of Lexington, and it's at it's eight thousand seater amphitheater, and I think it's called Barn Barnyard Barnyard Amphitheater, something like that. Uh, but uh, anyway. Um, my, my friend in New York got me contacted with a guy there and he loved the liquor, the moonshine. So they're going to start serving it at their concerts at, uh, at the venue, uh, by the drink. Wow. So, um, one thing led to another, we got a distributor up there. And, um, so that starts next month and I'm, I'm actually going up there the last of June and, and doing a couple of uh, doing some radio stuff to promote the liquor and, um, I think we're doing like a private tasting for like 50 or 60 people at a venue. And, um, and then, uh, later on in the year, uh, they're working on me playing at that, uh, new amphitheater. So, uh, that's yeah. awesome. That's and if I'm, I just, just quit Googling. I think if it's the same one, it's about 50 minutes from Lexington. Does that sound about yeah, right? Probably called the barnyard, the barnyard. and it's yeah. Kentucky's newest open air amphitheater. Yeah, that's that's big. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So. So let's, <clears throat> Tommy, we could, uh, there's so many <laughs> different questions we'd like yeah, to, we could talk to ask all you day. about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But as we start to wind down, I want to switch gears for a minute and I want to talk about, um, you know, we love asking folks about their Eureka moments, right? And and, and we always have yeah. them and the pandemic has offered a, 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 a fresh new batch, no pun I intended. Know, yeah. So when you look back at the last 18 months or mm-hmm. so, and what's been a key Eureka moment that's really surfaced in your mind? Um, about the business or just about it anything in, in general? general well you yep. know the one thing is like uh, i guess you'd say uh i, I would think is is uh and I, I don't know really how to explain it but it's like uh anything can happen at any time and you just got to deal with it you know i mean who would you know we've all seen these movies you know before about pandemics and everything <laughs> and who would have ever really thought that that would actually be something someday or whatever right you know, so, um, you just got to, you know, I mean, 
pray about it and, and hope for the best. And, and, you know, uh, I, I think that a lot of good came out of it. I mean, myself, there's, you know, there's some, I think there's some positive things that I think it made everything, everybody stop and, and, uh, you know, uh, think about things, you know, even though, you know, everything was shut down for a while. I think that was kind of, well, I think you guys helped some good come out of it. I mean, you guys started producing we hand did. sanitizer. Yeah, we did. Um, That's, it, it is those kind of yeah, efforts. Yeah, we, uh, you know, really, you know, we shut the shut the distillery down. I guess it was like in April last of March or April last year. And you know, we'd have people if they wanted to bottle, we'd meet them outside or call ahead or whatever. But yeah, we, you know, we were still producing liquor and selling it to our distributor, and then we kind of switched over to hand sanitizer and. You know, and we did that not to, you know, not to make a bunch of money, just to help people, you know, because I mean, yeah. I, my grandfather, I mean, he, you know, he, he helped people with his money that he made. He was, you know, great about that. So, um, you know, we donated some to the local hospice and the police department and the sheriff, you know, stuff like that. So I think that was, uh, that was a good thing that, you know, um, Turning hard times into yeah, good and we sold. I, I mean, we sold some, you know, all around the country, you know, because all that shortage, you know, and ours is like, uh, you know, is is like ninety percent alcohol. So it didn't kill anything that got on your hands or on your face. Ninety percent alcohol and the best yeah, water exactly. in America. <laughs> exactly. The whole yeah, brain. Uh -huh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I love, I love, there is good news if you go looking for it. And I love those stories of how businesses, you know, changed, adjusted, and I hate to say pivoted, yeah. but uh, it, it fits here to, to jump into fight and, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, help others help fight the pandemic. And as we like to say around here, uh, and, I, I, and uh, Greg, I cannot remember who contributed this, but, you know, you can be, you can find opportunity without being opportunistic. And that's been so yeah. important from a business standpoint throughout the, yeah. the pandemic. So and a lot of, you know, a lot of distilleries, uh, most of them, I guess, around the country did that, you know, I mean, yeah. to, just to help out. So uh, that's good. right. Love that. Yeah. All right. So let's make sure folks know uh, how they can, you know, uh, connect with you, connect with granddaddy yeah. Mims, you know, find out where they can get it or where, where they maybe can even request it in their neck of yeah. the woods. So what's, what's that one clear? Well, yeah, just go to granddaddymims.com and, and they've, there's a, this, I guess, buy now, or I, I can't remember the tab, but it shows all the locations and, and we're adding them all the time. Um, there's that, I mean, you face, we have Facebook, we have YouTube, we have uh, uh, Instagram, all that, all that stuff. As far as the moonshine, you can check out all, all that at granddaddy Mims is everything. Uh, as far as the music, uh, everything is just uh, TommyTownsMusic.com, um, Instagram, same thing, Facebook. You got a YouTube channel yeah, too, right? Yeah, I don't know what to do with it, but I got one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there, there are some of your songs no, on there. Is, yeah. If people want to know what you're doing, uh, but, uh, why, why are you drinking? Why, is yeah, that? drinking. It was that was the song that right. actually didn't have anything to do with uh, the moonshine. It just uh, happened to be that, was, that song was actually written by Hank Williams Jr.'s daughter Holly. Yeah, is that uh, right? Yeah, and uh, that that is uh, to me that's a great melodic song, and it talks. You know, it, it kind of enunciates to me your groove. You're sort of the rhythm that you yeah. dig uh -huh. through a song yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and so we should remind, remind folks too. Uh, Turn back the clock is the album that that song is from, yeah. and that's still available wherever you get your music from. 
Be sure to check out TommyTownsMusic.com and Granddaddy Mims. And let me spell that really quick. That's Granddaddy, or G-R-A-N, uh, Daddy. Mims is M-I-M-M-S.com. And uh, you can learn a lot more about uh, the product and the brand, the expansion, you name it. Tommy, this has been as fun and enjoyable as I thought it would be. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap with requests. So Tommy, we'd love for you before, before Greg and I yeah. sign off, we'd love yeah. for you to do us the honor of playing one of your tunes. Man. Yeah. I'll do Let me see. There's guitars back here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Keep them handy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Oh, wait, let's see. It's funny, I keep the guitars here. It wasn't because I knew I was going to do this. I, I keep them here anyway. <laughs> you just might walk by in the hallway and just pick it up yeah, sometime. Yeah, just I break bet. out into a song or something. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, I, I guess I could do the song drinking again, couldn't I? Sure, you're your, you're your the boss. Song, man. <laughs> yeah, why are you drinking like the night is young? Yeah, why are you drinking like the night is young? Kids are in the bed and the day's long gone. So why are you drinking like the night is young? Yeah, why are you screaming like I don't have ears? Yeah, why are you screaming like I don't have ears? Maybe I can hear you loud and clear. So why are you screaming like I don't have ears? Yeah, why are you cheating on a man like this? Yeah, why are you cheating on a man like this? Raise your babies and I kiss your lips. So why are you cheating on a man like this? Yeah, why are you living like we don't exist? Yeah, why are you living like we don't exist? Back in your bags and flint pockets. So why are you living like we don't exist? Now I'm here drinking like the night is young. Yeah, I'm here drinking like the night is young. Mama took the kids and the money's all gone. So I'm here drinking like the night is young. Hope we don't die drinking like the night is young. <laughs> That's 
awesome. That is oh, thank you. That's man. awesome, man. Thank you for doing oh, that. Yeah. Between the voice and the style of that music, to, to borrow what Greg offered earlier, it seems so uniquely your vibe, but also it's a throwback to where we started this conversation, I think, maybe before we kicked off the recording of core country yeah. music and yeah. and, and kind of, you know, the strong, the strong traditional uh, approach at singing country mm-hmm. music. So I love yeah. it. I loved it to hearing it in person and, and I appreciate you playing it once again. Here I'm, like, I'm like, wait, 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 you say I couldn't go pop with a mouthful of firecrackers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to steal that one. Maybe Smooth as glass. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We've got the, we've got the episode title now, Greg. <laughs> All right. So huge thanks, Tommy Townsend, as busy as you are and you and your team. Really appreciate you spending some time with Greg White and I here today. Folks, go check out granddaddymems.com and tommytownsendmusic.com. Thanks so much, oh, Tommy. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, pleasure. All right. So we're going to wrap really quick before we let uh, Tommy and Greg go. Greg, uh, I love the story. I love the the artistry. Of course, love music. I bet Tommy could write a couple of books that would be bestsellers too. What was your favorite part here? You know, I think that the confluence of the artistic nature of his family into both this beverage industry, the alcohol industry and the music industry, right? We were talking earlier that his dad, and this was maybe off camera, I'm not sure, but his dad had wished he hadn't traveled so much and maybe played more music, but would we have Tommy Townsend if if that was the case, right? So thankfully things turn out the way they are and finding that recipe, right? Going through the family to find that recipe, not, not just because of the ability to create the product, but to explore the history of your family and understand it that much better. And that your family, Tommy, goes all the way back to that spring is, yeah. you know, the that's just yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. cool. Love that, Greg. Love that. And big thanks again, Tommy. But hey, everything does have that cadence and that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that universal lesson here as well. So on behalf of our entire team here, hey, on behalf of Greg White and Scott Luton, the whole Supply Chain Now team, wishing you the best wherever you are. Uh, thanks for spending your time. Hey, do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.